to another edition of the PHNX Feedback Podcast right on PHNX. Of course, I'm still your mayor, PHNX, without my vice mayor, the one and only uh, Derek Montia. Uh, but I have found a suitable replacement. As many of you know, I am kind of just still auditioning people to replace Jesse uh, for whenever that happens because that's inevitable right but uh i'm very glad to be joined by uh jordan schusterman from cespedes family barbecue and the bar uh, baseball barbecast thank you so much man thank you for stopping by this infuriates oh. jesse by the oh way my gosh. Here. yeah wasn't jesse missing last time i Correct. came on too yeah. and yeah. yeah okay all right I'm, I'm not misremembering that so no you're not i um, i enjoy Je- Je- jesse does a good job so i don't want to do too well here uh but i do appreciate the invite I'm, I'm i'm excited to talk snakes i know i know well he uh i fabricated an imaginary beef between the two of you but he really does uh get very angry with me that you keep coming on when he's not here because he is a huge fan of what you guys do over there uh, in fact he was just telling me about listening to the mike farron uh, podcast and that's when i broke the news to him that you were coming on and again made him very angry but uh you were abandoned by jake i was abandoned by jesse so we we, we have each other here to talk uh some baseball but uh i did want to get your thoughts on just you know this off season the moves that have kind of happened it's it's kind of been a weird off season we've had a lot of money spent by the dodgers obviously we've had more interest i feel like uh in in big deals in like international players than i've seen before as far as like signing big long-term deals and and then the rest of the off seasons kind of move slowly mm-hmm. yeah no i think that's totally fair obviously we're still we still have you know four uh, arguably premier free agents kind of sitting out there mm-hmm. uh and it's kind of hard to find where those guys are going to land we just keep circling back to those same handful of teams and i think that's kind of exactly the way scott boris was always going to play this once he kind of identified that that's how the market was going to act but yeah I mean, I'm I've, I'm excited to come on here and talk to a team about a team that you know has been fairly aggressive, and yeah. I would argue still has some opportunities to to improve. Maybe even in the next couple of weeks, we can maybe get into that. But I do think that it's just been so refreshing and, and good to see them take the momentum you know from the postseason and and carry it forward the way that you would expect most teams would do coming off of, of a postseason run like that. But that's not how every major league team uh, has acted uh, right. certainly in recent years, unfortunately. Right, and 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 like. Like I've said, there's there's times where it's kind of just almost a gesture in good faith to try to show the fans that you are building on the success, but it's not it maybe sometimes it doesn't really seem like a real plan is there. Sometimes teams abandon the roster that maybe had success and try to upgrade and bring in bigger, bigger names. These moves feel a bit savvy that the Diamondbacks have made, and it really feels like they addressed their weaknesses uh, that they had. They, and they had a number of weaknesses. It's it's still amazing to us at times that the team made it as far as they did, you know, the, the, in the offseason or in the postseason, right? Like the what they did was incredible for, for us that watched them all year long. It's not like they had a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of things change, but mostly it felt like, you know, the bullpen being able to be a strength instead of a weakness was what kind of carried them over the finish line and even helped them out a lot in, in the postseason. But then things just seem to go their way that that's the way yeah it seemed to go yeah and and i think that and i do want to get to the bullpen um here in a little bit but i think again you contrast it to a team like texas who obviously ended up winning they've been relatively quiet this winter and you know they are much more complete roster obviously they've spent they've already spent a lot of money they've already had uh you know they have a really strong core and then we have see guys like evan carter and now white langford coming so like there's a lot to you know look at their roster and be like, okay, there's less to fix there. But they stood pat even still more than I expected. And I know that there's you know TV deals hanging over all these teams, and maybe that's influencing some of the spending. But I, I generally think that most of that, not that it's not important and that it's not relevant. Sure. If the teams want to spend, the teams are going to spend. And I think the D-backs are a team that's honestly showed us that, right? Like yeah. if they had lost to the Brewers – would they have spent all this money uh, this winter? I, I don't know. I mean, I like to think so, but I, I'm glad if, if for whatever the reason is, you know, th- that's kind of the nature of ownership in baseball. Sometimes owners want to spend it, sometimes they don't. And you can't always necessarily figure yeah. out, you know, what is going to gonna spark that. But for Arizona, it's, it's definitely a fun time uh, right now. And, and I've said, like, sometimes, you know, the spending money isn't, you know, obviously done the right way. It's how you spend it, not how much you spend or, or you know, mm-hmm. what you spend. But like, yeah, it, it does feel at times like, uh, you know, you, you really don't see teams make this many improvements, especially a team like the Diamondbacks. It does feel like the the 
postseason run had a big impact on what they were able to spend. And and you're right. Like if they if they would have lost to the Brewers, I don't know if they would feel like now is the time to add being that close. And and you're like, wow, we got that close with bullpen games. What if we mm-hmm. added? What if we added an Eduardo Rodriguez? What if we gave you a third baseman instead of having it be a little <laughs> rotating carousel over there with Evan Longoria yeah. being like at times the best third baseman that we had? So it definitely felt like that was uh, Mike Hazen's MO, you know, during this offseason. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, Jock Peterson is the most recent move that they made to fill that DH spot. Uh, and, and we actually have, um, Peterson, we got, uh, Jock Peterson's official press conference yesterday. This is what he said on watching the Arizona Diamondbacks playoff run kind of from a distance. Um, I think it is, it's not a coincidence. Like some people handle chaos better than others. And, uh, to take down the Dodgers who was an incredible team. And then the Phillies, uh, it is I wouldn't say that that's luck. I think that's uh, being able to adjust and adapt to uh, certain situations, changes. Uh, you're down for a little bit, and somehow your guys stick together, and it's a core group of guys that really have a fight because uh, those are uh, two incredible, incredible teams. So there's no one person that's leading the way. It's all uh, 26 guys pulling on the same string with one common goal. And um, I think that's a lot more powerful than a lot of superstars on your team. So you can really tell that they have that and they leave their egos at the door uh, while having fun doing it. So uh, it looks like they have a fun, a lot of fun on the field. And uh, like I said, I mean, I'm excited to, uh, to be a part of it and try to help in any way I can. I really like that thing he said about the, you know, 26 guys pulling in the same direction, right? Because he has been on some big teams. He's been on teams with very high expectations and things didn't go their way. Obviously, like, he understands that that whole thing. I mean, we kind of joke about Tori's, you know, uh, post-game speech and the connected and dangerous thing. But it's true. Like, the the team being connected and, and being a dangerous team kind of is what feels like is different. Uh, between a team like the Diamondbacks that made it as far as they did last year and some of those teams where you, you go out like a Padres team or a Mets team and you spend a lot of money and you don't end up getting the results, obviously, that that you were going after. Yeah, and I think that like if anyone knows what he's talking about when it comes to this stuff, it's Jock Peterson. I mean, he's been yeah. in as many postseason games as – Almost anybody that we have, you know, that's not on the Astros, right, or or Dodgers. Right. We've seen right. him, of course, with the Dodgers for a long time. We saw what he did in Atlanta. So he understands what those teams are are like. And obviously, certainly the Dodgers and, and, and Atlanta, although Atlanta had a, kind of an interesting group when they wanted their run in 2021, you know, you could argue that a lot more household names on those teams uh, yeah. compared to Arizona. But he still understands what it takes, you know, to win in the postseason. Of course, that's, that's the, the added bonus on top of – what I think is a pretty, pretty impressive, you know, regular season resume over the last handful of seasons, you know, that Jock brings, um, especially bringing, you know, a left-handed component to, to the lineup that I think, you know, at times, you know, outside, I, I know, of course, Cattell Marte was, was just a force in general yeah. uh, from both yeah, sides absolutely. of the plate, but he's generally better right-handed uh, from what I know. And, and obviously you have Corbin, but um that kind of left-handed power is something that I think really not only will play better in that ballpark than I think it has in San Francisco recently, but also just in general to kind of balance out that lineup. So, um, you know, if the D-backs are, are making the postseason again, you're going to yeah. be like, you're looking, not, not that they didn't just gain all that experience together, and that's great, but Jock Peterson, has, has, he's played in so many of these games, and I'm sure he misses uh, that feeling of playing in those games, even even just being away from it for a couple years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you're right. Like, that's something I've tried to tell, you know, fans about, like, playing, you know, half of your games in San Francisco isn't the best for your power numbers isn't gonna sometimes show the you know the show those home runs and those numbers but it doesn't mean it's not still there um and honestly like diamondbacks fans weren't thrilled with the move uh obviously you know he's exactly you know he's another left-handed outfielder like there is a, a feeling that we got already you know what we had in a way in a dh but obviously you know the experience that's something that we don't really have and that we're losing in evan longoria and also the fact that uh, Mike Hazen brought up the middle of their lineup has gotten 
pretty right-handed now with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. returning. You have now uh, Eugenio Suarez being added to the middle of the lineup. So he feels like they didn't need, and, and this is something he had even said before they got Jock, that that they didn't necessarily need to go after a right-handed bat for for their power bat. They just kind of needed to find somebody to fill that DH role. But what are, what were your thoughts on, on seeing the D-backs get you know, Peterson and bring him in? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I guess I see. Oh, we already have it. And by the way, it still feels like there could be a trade on the. You know, we still have McCarthy. Yes. We still have Dominic yes. Fletcher. I don't know where he fits in. Um, Alec Thomas. You know, based on that, of course, defense and you know his moments in the postseason. It's like, okay, he's clearly the center fielder. But I don't know. Like his offensive track record, obviously in the regular season, is 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 spotty at best as well. So all of that is to say. John Peterson is a DH. Okay. Like I don't, we don't need to see him in the outfield and like what he can provide offensively on a deal like this for a team that isn't going to necessarily. And I understand, I totally get wanting JD Martinez, but I do, I think that the thing like the left, right balance isn't really important to managers. It's not just, you know, from the front office, you know, analytics perspective, building a lineup, like managers care about that. And I promise you Tori Lovello was, would, would love to have a lineup where he can write in more left-handed hitters. And so even if he is an everyday DH, I, I, I still like this fit um, a good bit. Uh, Of course, you know, you you can dream bigger with with a guy like JD or or Solaire or of the like, but I I think that, that this is, this, this really, this really works nicely. So um, again, it's still a lineup that, you know, it, it, there are still some questions with it. Suarez, of course, as a Mariners fan, I'm awfully familiar with. I love the guy. I I, I know the red flags. I know he's going to strike out a ton. Yeah. I still think it's an upgrade for what they had at third base. So that's yeah. why it's still a good move. But yeah. but we'll see. It, it is going to be interesting to see how these how these guys kind of like what what order you see those guys in. Because, of course, you have those those franchise pillars in Carroll and Marte offensively. And, and Gabby Reno, you know, I'm as big a fan as anybody. I'm curious what kind of offense we can expect from Gabby um, in 2024. Right. So where does right. he fit in the lineup as well? Well, I mean, they were like tied for 22nd in Major League Baseball and home runs last year. And again, it doesn't th- this even the Jock Peterson edition. It feels like, yeah, it's more power, but it's still like, you know, you're you're projecting maybe, you know, 20 home runs. I mean, that would be probably a fairly good projection. Uh, and, and still, that's not. It's not going to be the guy that that completely takes over, but with kind of the balance of how many guys can get you somewhere between twenty to thirty home runs, it it, it feels like what Peterson was talking. They're more like the the twenty six guys all pulling in the in the same direction, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But he also talked about um, <laughs> wanting to get better and play in the outfield and play and and just prove himself. Also prove himself against left handed pitching. And one of his reasons for coming to Arizona was because of Dave McKay. This is what he had to say about uh, Dave McKay and, and kind of what he's been able to do for other players. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good, good outfielders that you guys have, but uh, I think one of the main reasons uh, their first base outfield coach, Doug McKay, Dave McKay, um, I've got to know him over the years playing against, and uh, I've heard so many good things. Um, she needed an action. I've seen him help a lot of guys steal a good amount of bases that do not, that aren't necessarily like speedsters. I've seen him make huge improvements with it in the outfield with some, uh, some guys that weren't as good. And I've seen him really lock in some of the guys that uh, are more skilled out there. So even if I don't get a lot of opportunities in the game and on the field, um, I'll be putting the work in with him. And then when the opportunities present itself, make the best of them and, and go from there. Yeah. Like that. I, wow. I, okay. So right? yeah. And I, so I'm, I'm glad he, he acknowledges like, listen, I see how many opportunities I get, you know, defensively, obviously I don't think that's going to be plan a uh, pending injury. I mean, again, it's a, it's a positions he can still play in the case of sure. injury. And maybe you have some flexibility if you want to DH Gurriel and stuff like that. But I am so glad to hear him mention the stolen bases because this is something we hit on when we talked about uh, Jock signing 
um, on our podcast, which is that Jock, again, he's, it was 10 years ago, but like Jock, when he was coming up, like he was this athletic guy who right. went 30, 30 in triple a, he doesn't have 30 steals as a major leaguer. Okay. <laughs> he went, he stole 30 bases in triple a back when they were with Albuquerque. And now he's stolen, you know, tweet. He basically stopped running as soon as he got to the buildings. He's gotten bigger. He's focused on the offensive profile. I right. totally get that. Right. But if this is a guy that's going to get 500, 600 plate appearances and he's going to be on first base a lot, like, come on, Jock, you could steal 10 bases, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, would, I know that's not the biggest deal in the world, but I would love to see that. Like, especially when you're running behind like Corbin Carroll. Like, we saw Cattell Marte not even have to try to steal bases last year because he was just all the focus is on Corbin. So if he's on first and Corbin's taking third, he's like, I'm going to waltz into second right now, is what I'm going to do, wow. you know? So it's like, 100%. It, it, it's just, it's funny to see players like Jock kind of see the Diamondback style of baseball and, and say, like, I, I want to. I want to play there, but I also want to play like them. Like I want, I want to steal bases. I want to do that stuff, you know, and yeah. I want to have more value than just being a DH. Even if he doesn't yeah. get many opportunities, that's a, like, I guess, you know, as a fan, <laughs> you, you can't want more than that as far as like an attitude coming into this situation. Totally. Yeah. Now, and, and again, like I know you look at the sprint speed and you're like, there's no way this guy's going to steal bases and that's fine. Um, <laughs> he literally stole zero this past season okay like he, his career high is like it's, it yeah. seems absurd for a guy who was running so much in the minor leagues but anyway so th that's interesting and then as for the defense like that's just a matter of like he most dhs don't want to be dhing all the time right it's that simple sure. i mean he you look at last year he plays 37 games in the outfield starts 23 like I imagine for him, like that's the amount he wants to be out there. Is that going to work out in Arizona? Maybe, maybe not. I, I, I don't. Maybe he can become a more you know competent outfielder. Again, I don't think that's that important. But I just it was just cool and, and, and kind of funny to hear him bring up the stolen bases because that's something I've thought about since he was a prospect. Yeah. No. And I mean, it's it like I said, it's just funny to hear him bring up like wanting to work with Dave McKay. We talked about the coaching staff quite a bit. You know, people are huge players, are huge fans of of all of these coaches, right? Brent Strom, Jeff Bannister, Tori Lavallo. But it, Dave McKay is like one of those guys that gets a lot of credit from players that are on the team. And, and you know, he's beloved throughout baseball. But you you often don't hear players coming over saying like, oh, yeah, working with Dave, that's one of the things that like I really want to come over here for. And, and that's really cool. Um, he also discussed wanting to work with Tori. And I think. That's more understandable. Tori is just one of the most like lovable coaches in, in baseball. I feel like just he's the kind of manager that as a player you want to play for. And, and you know, Jock expressed that here in, in the press conference yesterday. Uh, yeah, I got to do a Zoom with Tori. And uh, seems like an incredible, incredible human, a great baseball mind. Um, I don't know. I like to do a lot of research and, I don't know. I've been fortunate enough to be with a with a couple different teams, and baseball's a small world, so you kind of everybody kind of knows someone or something. So ask around, and I mean, everyone loves this guy. They'd they every single person would run through a wall for this guy, and uh, sometimes that's a little tough, especially for a manager because they're not necessarily everyone's best friend because there's only eight positions. Not, I mean nine positions out there and uh, 26 guys on the team. So 15 of the guys don't get a play. And, you know, sometimes some guys think they should be playing and whatnot, but uh, I've heard he handles everything. He communicates really well. He's upfront, honest, and uh, he wants to win. He's smart. So I'm really looking forward to playing for him, picking his brain, learning from him. So, yeah. And again, uh, I, I want to run through a brick wall for Tori Lovello, but I just, that's a personal feeling. So it's like to hear someone else express that I was like, yes, same. But, uh, do you, do you feel like that's, uh, Tori's kind of the, the perception of Tori outside of, outside of this team? Totally. And like, again, talk about, you know, stock up from the, from the postseason. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, the D-backs players, but I think it really gives, gives managers an opportunity to, to show what they got. And, and of course it's like, yeah, duh, you win a bunch of postseason series in a row. People are going to think you're a genius. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I, I know it's, it is that simple in a lot of ways. Um, and that can turn just as quickly. I mean, 
ask Tory, right? He went from he there last year, right? In June, people were like, get this guy out of here. So obviously we will forever be trying to figure out, you know, how important managers are. But in terms of the relationships, I think it does speak though, you know, with Jock talking about kind of checking his references and checking, you know, checking in with people who've who've worked with him. Because as far as players are concerned, they don't care at all about in-game decisions, you know, I know. I, and okay, let me rephrase that. That's not going to be the first thing they're thinking of when they're thinking about playing for someone, right? Mm-hmm. That's the what the front office cares about. That's what the fans care about. If you're the player, it's like, do I like this guy? <laughs> Someone I want to hang out with yeah. for six months, and yeah, do right. I want to, you know, trust, you know, to put me in position to succeed? And in that way, you know, I think I think Tories earned a lot of, of respect um, over the course of his his tenure in Arizona, and then clearly that translates to to guys who are coming over to the team for the first time. Uh, and and speaking of guys coming over to the team for the first time, uh, you are very familiar with Gino, aka Eugenio Suarez. Uh, what can Diamondbacks fans kind of expect? Uh, we, we we know he should expect not to play 162 games in a Tori Lavallo lineup ever ever <laughs> as a player. But uh, what what can we expect out of him as a third baseman? I'm so glad you start there because the two Gino stories I'll tell, one is what you just referenced, right? The 162 games. Yeah. And I happened to be there last year on his day off. So it was when the Mariners <laughs> were on a road trip in Cincinnati. And it was, again, just a long stretch. And it was it was like, all right, like it's finally time. Like, you got to take a seat. And he still ended up getting in that game which like wasn't even a competitive game. That's how he ended up at 162, but I believe he only started 161. Yeah. But the other story that's, I think, more illuminating of, of, of kind of Gino as, as a player and as a person, as a teammate, is something I'm looking forward to in a couple of weeks, Go, hopefully heading down to Arizona and, and covering some spring training. I remember last year showing up to Mariners camp, uh, very early in camp, I think it was before players were officially supposed to report or position players anyway. And I happened to just be in the Mariners clubhouse when – Gino showed up for the first time Um, and just watching him like go play like to every single player and like, you know, reconnect and reunite, whether it was, you know, a teammate he'd have for multiple years, whether it was just like some random reliever that he was meeting for the first time, he was like going around to the media members and like making he, I can't even, it was just such a, such a performance, but like so genuine, like this dude is as good as it gets uh, in terms of in the clubhouse and, like he is as cliche as you'll hear it a hundred times with the good vibes only stuff. Like he lives that. Like that yeah. is no joke. Yeah. <laughs> it it's, is. It's a, it's he's a real, a real vibes guy. <laughs> yeah. It is. There is no. It is. It is totally authentic. Um, and everybody loves him. But but obviously it's like okay. Well, is he going to help the baseball team win? That that is certainly what matters the most. And you know it helps that again you're you're working from you know all due respect to Evan Longoria and Emmanuel Rivera. Like this was a, a weak spot. Right, last season, yeah, oh, generally absolutely. for Arizona. Right, there's there is no doubt about it, and so I think that it helps that Gino is not necessarily coming in and and needs to be the guy. Right, he should be able to hit sixth, uh, fifth, or sixth or seventh, and it's it's possible. You know, when he's on a heater, which you even saw last year at times, he had a stretch of ten straight games with an RBI, which yeah. I think was a franchise record. And you're looking at me, you're like, what the hell does this guy care about RBIs for? That is not a small thing. Like if you are driving in runs that consistently, like there is a, a knack to that. And I think that like the power does does come in spurts. Obviously, you look at the batting line and you can you can kind of take that away from him. And and that's the thing. It's 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 not just the strikeouts, it's that the quality of the contact has decreased slowly over the last couple of years. And I think that's where Seattle was a little bit wary of, of continuing on with him as their starting third baseman. But again, when you talk about the ballpark improvement, you talk about the durability, you talk about maybe even most importantly, when we talk about the overall value, Gino's played a hell of a third base last year, hell of a defender. And that's something yeah. that he didn't necessarily have points earlier in his career. And he's really brought that. So at the very least, you have a durable really good glove at third base. It's going to hit you 25 home runs. The strikeouts are going to drive you crazy every once in a while, but it shouldn't be that important in sure. this lineup. And that should still be a clear improvement over what they had last year. I think the one thing that you said there that that is the most important is the Diamondbacks just go through these stretches offensively where it feels like the entire team is impacted, right? And obviously, a lot of times, it's the opposing pitcher that's impacting the team like that (laughs) and not just necessarily everybody in a slump at the same time on one day. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it feels like that. Like Sometimes it feels like the team collectively goes through a slump, and that's kind of what's good about hearing that about Gino. Like, 
the Diamondbacks are able to kind of manufacture some some runners on base and such at times with Corbin Carroll and with Cattell Marte hitting at the top of the lineup. But then all of a sudden you'll just have the rest of the guys not be able to do anything. And and like there that that happened far too often last year where the offense just kind of felt flat like that. That feels like a really important addition, not to mention the fact we talked about power earlier and what Jock can do. Gino is tied for sixth in Major League Baseball in home runs since the start of 2017 now it's very selective going back that far sure but i don't care like that's That's a big sample that's that's a long time and that's not a guy who you typically hear of of being in the top 10 home runs in baseball over that period of time yeah no 100 percent. and again like you know how much being in seattle impacted his his totals in general but i'm glad you mentioned you know that the the style of of having carol and, and Marte and guys like that at the top of the order who can, who can make stuff happen or, or Thomas sometimes like that's something obviously the Mariners had in Julio. Um, but other than that, like not as much speed. Occasionally they had some of the, some of their, their bench infielders like Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty and people that D-backs fans don't care about. Uh, but the point is, is like, I can imagine Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte, like those are exactly the kind of guys you want on base yeah. when Gino's up, you know, guy on second, yeah. you know, with one out or whatever. Like that's, that's something, that's an opportunity I have seen him thrive in. Um, but I do just think that the baseline of, of performance, especially when you consider the defense and the durability is, uh, is, is really exciting. And I think it was a great way for them to take advantage of the early stages of a bizarre off season for the Mariners. Yeah, it, it really was. And I do, I do still have some questions for you about that, but, mm-hmm. uh, known yeah. baseball GM, Elise, uh, we don't know what baseball team she's a GM for, but we we figured out she's a GM. She has to be. She knows <laughs> far too much about baseball. She says, address, addressing the black hole at third base was one of my favorite Hazen moves from the offseason. I was going to ask you, what do you think was a bigger move, bringing in Gino or or bringing in Eduardo Rodriguez? Uh, obviously, yeah. both were big needs. The Diamondbacks had a huge need to bring in another starting pitcher, but they bring in a guy that's a, a number three caliber you know, starting pitcher in this lineup and uh, in this starting rotation, along with Brandon Fott also being kind of a number three caliber. So like, obviously both of those moves very do very different things for this team, but which one do you think might have a bigger impact? I think it's Erod. I, the way I've, I've thought about him and I know he's had some strange times. There have been some interesting situations with him on and off the field with the trade that he declined. He's had some injuries. Of course, yeah. he said, I mean, he had a very serious, you know, health issue during 2020. Like these are, this has been a, a tumultuous, you know, few, few years for him in, in a lot of respects. At the same time, if we're just talking about the pitcher and the talent and what he's shown when he's been on the field, I don't think he's that different than Jordan Montgomery. I really don't. Mm. And I know Jordan Montgomery is going to get a lot more money um, because his agent is Scott Boris and because he just pitched at an amazing postseason. But if you like, let's just say the second half of last season had never happened and there was no postseason. And like, if we were evaluating Jordan Montgomery and Erod as pending free agents in May, I think we would be saying pretty similar things. I know Montgomery has been pretty durable, but in that sense, like, I just, I just think that, the reason I say that is like, I think this can be a pretty damn good deal. You know, I think that he can really be um, like, again, what I'm I'm not saying is, Oh, I think he can be a world series hero and carry you for three months like Jordan Montgomery. But maybe, but again, like I just don't think the true talent level is that different. And that's why I really like this move. I like, that's why I like them being aggressive with it early and and securing that deal early on. um, Because I just think he's, I just think he's a good, a really good mid rotation pitcher, which is what I think Jordan Montgomery is. (laughs) I just think he's going to get like way more money. And when you're comparing those things, I think it puts them in in a pretty good spot. Yeah. You're so right about that. Because again, I mean, baseball is so funny considering that we will pay a guy millions of dollars more for hitting the ball 5% more (laughs) than, than another guy. Right. And like starting pitching can be like that too. I think that uh, I like the fact that they did it early on, but there's still like a question of if they should go after another starting pitcher. Uh, they they do have Tommy Henry and Ryan Nelson, who both you know were were very good for them at times last year in the starting pitching role. Uh, plus some other young arms that haven't had a chance to you know make their major league debut yet. Uh, I mean, from your perspective, obviously we know that you kind of just really need four starting pitchers when you get to the playoffs. <laughs> If, or, if three. or or three <laughs> or just, three maybe just uh, sometimes go, two yeah. at times i don't know yeah, but like yeah, is that yeah. is that a need or do you think the diamondbacks should just allow those young guys to kind of compete for that spot and not really 
address that when they still have some more positional needs to kind of fill? Yeah, I would not consider it as much of a need. Like, I'm honestly curious about your opinion on whether they should add to the bullpen. Like, we had this heroic performance, you know, we watched them, you know, because it wasn't just that at the start of the the postseason, it was like, oh, they don't have enough starting pitching. It was like, who the hell's in this bullpen, right? And I love, you don't got to tell me about how awesome Paul Seawald is. And I love, you know, Kevin Ginkle and and some of these guys. But like, I am kind of surprised that, and there's still a couple options out there. So maybe there is still room to add like a, you know, a Ryan Brazier or like a Jake Deakman, like whatever. I'm, I'm just throwing names out there, but sure. I honestly see the names. bullpen as a, as a, as a, as a group that as impressive as they were, like, I don't mean it's, it's just like, that's a group that to run that back a hundred percent is kind of surprising to me yeah. um, as it, which is, which is what I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at the death chart and it literally looks exactly like it did in October. And I understand why it's like, Oh, well, great. Well, that was the best bullpen we've ever had. So, okay, great. That's yeah. nice. But, yes. but that's- to get through, first of all, let's <laughs> also it. remember when we talk about like the moves that they've needed to make and the reason why they, they were aggressive is that they, they weren't that good in the regular season. Right. And so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long year to, to barely get into the playoffs. They had right. all these other things happen. And so that's where I, that's where I kind of see, not to mention the bench and I'm sure some other spots that you could, that you could identify. So I think that letting the young guys kind of duke it out for that five spot feels like an okay move. Yeah. Um, not that it would be a bad idea to sign, you know, a Michael Lorenzen or whatever, but I, I just think that, Erod really solidifies that 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 group, and with, with what we saw from Fott, like you've got to feel pretty good about those four, and that's most teams. Most teams right now, forget the postseason. Even, in the, even going into the regular season, you're really only you feeling four. good about four. Yeah. And so, not that it would be a bad idea, but I I would honestly rather that. And, and again, some of those higher leverage guys have kind of come off the board already, but I think I would rather see them kind of bulk up the, the bullpen with some with some fresher guys there. Well, and I think you make a good point. I think the reason why they're hesitant to address the bullpen, and I, I think they will. I, I think that the Jock Peterson move allowed them to still just have a little bit of extra money. Like they still have Madison Bumgarner on the books. They still have some <laughs> other contracts to fall off, right? And I think uh, like that's why they, even though they spent the money they did, they still have to be a little conservative at least this year. Uh, the the bullpen though kind of came together late, and the additions of Ryan Thompson calling up Andrew Saulfrank, those two guys were excellent. I don't know True. if Saulfrank is is the success he had is sustainable. It, did, it didn't appear based on his peripherals that it was a sustainable success. Ryan Thompson was different because he was DFA'd by the Marlins, and when the Diamondbacks picked him up, you know, his stats didn't look great, but then you look back and you're like, well, he didn't pitch a lot of innings, and he really just had two bad games that then that ballooned up his ERA and made things look worse. The, the, the Marlins obviously had a lot of things going on, so there were things that they could do. But, like, there was something about um, when, you know, Ryan Thompson came over that I, I think – and they they credited, like, this, the entire bullpen for the fact that it was a lot of different looks, a lot of different arm angles, just a lot for, you know, an opposing team to have to deal with when they're changing those guys out. The, the biggest thing, though, was Paul Seawald. Paul Seawald coming oh, yeah. in, and, I mean, it, it's not just his – his ability to close games. It's not just his, you know, how, how talented he is. It's like once Paul Seawald came over, everybody else knew their role and, you know, it, it just, it, it had everybody chill out. Like I, we talked to, you know, a couple of different guys from the bullpen and, you know, they, they kind of had the idea of like, they didn't know what on any given night when they were going to be called on to go in the ninth, especially with Tori Lobolo doing this bullpen by committee thing so it was just an uneasy feeling for them they they had no idea what they would be utilized or when they would be utilized once seawald came in and and once the guys were having the success ginkle was found the success he had it's like everything just kind of fell into place within like two weeks of of him being there and i and and i get it like you you probably still want another left-handed pitcher in the bullpen but like the 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 setup that they have right now like you said is the best bullpen they've ever had they've never had a bullpen they could rely on in this way, almost historically in this franchise's existence. It, mm-hmm. it feels different. And I think like, again, that was why Tory, especially in Brandon fought starts during the postseason, was so quick to call on them. He trusted them so much and he believed that they could get him, you know, through any game at any point, obviously didn't always work out, especially there in the world series with Seawald. But uh, again, this is just a bullpen. I think that, uh, 
they, they pitched a lot during, you know, October, they pitched a lot during September. So, uh, they, they had a lot asked of them and they, they delivered for the most part, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think that, uh, an addition is probably still on the horizon for this team. Yeah. I think that's the way I look at it is if you're sold on, on Seawald and, and Ginkle, like hell yeah. You know, yeah. like I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Yeah. But it, it takes a lot of guys uh, to get through the season. And, you know, That's again, it. you're going back to the going back to the postseason, in the World Series. Obviously, the Rangers had a lot of the same questions uh, going into their postseason run. And they had it required some heroic performances from LeClerc and from Josh Spores um, and even yeah. Chapman with the with the ridiculous uh, up and down that he had. Uh, and we saw, we wondered, okay, would they make a move? And we see them go out and get it like a David Robertson type, um, David Robertson, you know, signing him. And, and again, do I expect the D-backs to give a reliever or $11 million? No, no. no. Right. Like, no. obviously that's, that's another right. one of the strengths of this bullpen is how cheap it is. Right. That's, <laughs> that's good. Like, that's not Falling a bad thing. A <laughs> um, yeah. And that's fine. Uh, and, and, and the other thing is you can always say is just like, Hey, you know, maybe Ryan Nelson is a badass reliever. You know, like we, we, we don't know yet. Right. And, yeah. and it's, and that's possible that he can settle into that role and someone else ends up winning that five spot. Maybe you sign a start or whatever. So I do think that there's, there's just room, room to add uh, on the, on the pitching side here, likely in the bullpen. And, and again, you know, a lot of guys have come off the board over the last few weeks uh, in the relief market, but yeah. I, I, I could imagine, like you said, that then they're making at least another move or two. Uh, well, we appreciate you guys being here right now on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, make sure to do so now. Sign up for notifications. That way you don't miss whenever we go live. Uh, leave us a like. We always appreciate that. Gabby will tell you to drop a like at some point during the show. It'll be, won't be right now. It'll be when you least expect it. But uh, of course, if you're listening on the audio podcasting side, make sure you subscribe over there as well. Leave us a review. We always appreciate those five-star reviews. Of course, uh, when when the the barbecue boys come out, we're going to take them out to some boros to get some, some burritos for sure uh here in town uh it's one of our new partners they are incredible it's a family owned and operated uh mexican food restaurant one right by my house i'm very lucky they just put one in and so i get to reap the benefits of, of not having to drive very far but uh you know it's a uh, it's it's incredible food and of course uh they can uh they can cater any party that you have with their fiesta platter loaded with mouth-watering red and green chili beef mini chimneys homemade taquitos chips fresh guac and more so make sure to check out some burros uh, they have locations throughout the valley and flagstaff you're never far from delicious time-tested snoring style recipes uh, check out their new locations in goodyear peoria and i-17 uh, and joe max by the way and or visit some to find one near you let some burros cater your next meal big or small order online or find one near you by visiting some uh, and we also have game time, by the way, which is the best place to get baseball tickets, especially last minute. You know, you don't want to go to you don't plan sporting events very well. They just come up, especially a lot of uh, 81 baseball games in your city. You're, you're never going to be able to plan all of those. So get your tickets last minute with game time. It is the place for last minute ticket deals, and it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download their app, create an account, and use code PHNX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHNX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. So I guess the big question for me, uh, besides what the hell is Jake doing going to a football game in the UK? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? in Manchester. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll forgive him then. Uh, but uh, overall, I mean, hypothetically, if you were an NL West fan here, uh, w what are your feelings about you know, the moves the Dodgers make and, and how do you cope with them? Do you, do you, do you <laughs> oh. say, wait until I actually see this or do you just get into a fetal position under your desk and, and cry? Um, okay. So the one, like there is an element of it that is impossible to ignore. And it's not just like, oh my God, they're spending more money than we've ever seen. And now they have Otani and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it's also like just knowing how good the infrastructure is. Yes. That, yes. that like infuriating. <laughs> that that's the part that would drive me crazy, right? Is it's yeah. like okay, great. Now we know they're spending love to levels we've never seen before, deferrals or not. But like James Outman, you know, like James Outman, that he was like one of their best players last year. So if they're gonna keep churning those guys out, yeah, then yeah. you are maybe have trouble. And the reason I say that is because James Outman makes me think that if. Right now, if you look at the Dodgers, like upper levels, 
it's about as thin as it's been for a very long time. Yes. Now there's some lower level prospects that are going to end up on top 100 lists if they're not already there now, but in the next calendar year, and you're going to be like, oh, there they great. Go. You know, yeah. here they go. Yeah. But like, if you look at double AA and triple A now, it, it's not quite as stacked. And so the depth is maybe not as much there right. as it's been, in my opinion, in terms of like the youth and the depth. Now, again, that's while saying that like they that doesn't mean that there's not going to be some dude that pops up from AAA that isn't on a prospect list that's going to be awesome because that's how the Dodgers work. Yeah. I understand that it's got to be exhausting and difficult. Um, at the same time, I mean, if you can imagine how sweet it was to kick their ass in October, so now it's just elevated times a billion, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. I, I right. mean, it's just, and that's baseball. And by the way, that's that applies to the regular season as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, because sure. Sure. It, listen, am I going to pick against the Dodgers in the regular season? No, obviously, right? Uh, but like, even individual series, it's just they now they have brought that on themselves where it's like people are expecting, OK, yeah, we go ahead, go in 120 games. If not, you're a disappointment. Right. And that's absurd for any baseball team, no matter how right. famous their lineup is. So right. I'm excited to watch it. I think it's it's good for baseball from the standpoint of like people are going to be more compelled to see them lose as much as to, to see how yes. good they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're a draw. I understand. They're, yeah. If your team is playing them, you want to go see the Dodgers yeah. and you want to see your team kick their ass, you know, but yeah. it's also a matter of like, they are, there's enough players yeah. on this team that you want to see. Like, I don't know another franchise in baseball that could have survived losing the caliber of pitchers they've lost due to <laughs> scandals, due to players behaving badly outside of baseball mm -hmm. and still have been the team that they were still bring in guys like David Peralta, you know, and have them contribute still have guys like still have a team full of guys that like you look at on paper and you say, this lineup does not scare me at all and have those guys still win a hundred games. Right. That's, mm -hmm. that's the impressive thing, especially about last season. I gave them a ton of credit for that because I don't know a lot of teams that could lose a Julio Urias and a Trevor Bauer in the years that they have recently and still just, kept things moving on and all right, well, we'll bring up a, we'll bring up another young guy. We'll bring up another young guy. And Oh yeah, we lost this guy due to injury. We lost that guy due to injury. All right, well, we'll keep, you know, like most teams would have been decimated last season and the Dodgers still found a way to win. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the, the satisfaction in the playoffs of beating them was, was <laughs> the best thing ever, especially when they really started to click late on and they just kind of ran away with the NL West. But it, it you know, you're right. It, it, it's, that's the one thing is that, in the playoffs, it felt so good to finally, you know, beat them and beat them so soundly, right? That was yeah. something that every Diamondbacks fan needed to see. Wasn't even wasn't even close. I mean, they just right. they just whooped on them real quick, right. and it was and 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 honestly, I mean, if if it wasn't already true, um, that's what most of America will be rooting for, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. In in future now, now I will say. And I, I know that I, I'm obviously generally going to be player positive no matter what. Otani's approval rating is pretty high. Like, oh, yeah. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. I, I know that this signing with the Dodgers does make him less likable in theory. But, like, I think for the most part, neutral people will be rooting for Otani, especially since he's never been in the postseason. Um, but beyond that, I mean, just with the amount of success that they've had, I think it's just it's it's going to be it's going to be something something to behold. So, They're the yeah. least hateable super team ever. Lukey yeah. Betts, yeah, and Freddie, Freddie Freeman, yeah. Shohei Otani, yeah. like these are guys. Yeah. I love these, and guys. even like, like Yamamoto now. Guys. Like, I, I want Yamamoto to be awesome. You know, like yeah, I'm not rooting right. for that. <laughs> like, there's all all of this. There's so many versions of that. So again, I understand. Like, there's something, and of course, you know, Padres fans don't want to even they're giant people. I get it. I know that there are most fans harbor a lot more sports hate than I do. Um, so I get it. Um, and I'm not going to tell fans how to be, but I do agree with your point that in general, um, even over this whole run, it's, it's been hard to, to hit, but now it's just with the spending and with just kind of the super team element, but that's what they bring on. And like, that's, yeah. that's with, with those, with that roster, you know, comes that quote unquote burden and that's fine. That's, that's not a bad thing for it's baseball true. at all. I got a couple more baseball moves for you before we let you go. But uh, yeah. the Orioles were sold uh, yeah. reportedly yesterday uh, or are being sold by the Angelos mm -hmm. to a group led by a couple of billionaires. And people are very excited about it. Orioles fans are very <laughs> excited about it. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, what a time to sell this team, right? Like the future couldn't be brighter for that organization <laughs> right now. So, I mean, like talk about like selling high. That's that's a great thing for an estimated 
$1.725 billion. But uh, what does this mean for Orioles fans? Like, and, and why do we immediately assume that new billionaires coming in, replacing the old billionaires are going to somehow be better billionaires? Uh, we shouldn't assume that. So very fair question. <laughs> See the I also, situation, right? the <laughs> <laughs> I will also uh, somewhat punt this answer to Friday when Jake Mintz, my uh, podcast co-host and okay. Orioles fan, lifelong Orioles fan, will oh. be able to speak on this much more, <laughs> much go. more directly and personally. For sure. Um, but you mentioned what a time to sell, what a time to buy, right? I mean, this yeah, is what a time to buy, that, right? Um, yeah, I mean, this is as as bright as the future could be. Now, it's not like we haven't seen the Orioles spend, um, but that was more under Peter Angelos than John. Uh, John, who's been running the team more so recently, a little bit, <laughs> a lot more frugal. Um, and so, yeah, it's a huge deal, right? And maybe honestly, to, to just to tie it back, like again, we we can't, we don't. It's so early in this process, and knowing what how much the new owners are going to spend, who knows, right? But in theory, if there's more flexibility and more willingness to go. It's what we just talked about with the Dodgers. Um, the infrastructure that Mike Elias has built in Baltimore is about as good as you could possibly hope. Um, and it's not just the fact that they have drafted high, but to nail basically all of those picks and then to have the farm system and, and the kind of yeah. the player development apparatus that yeah. they have yeah, is that's terrifying, right? If you're talking about if you're in the AL East and oh my God, what happens when the Orioles spend? Yeah. I'm not saying they're the Dodgers and, you know, it's not, we're not bringing in Guggenheim and, you know, having $300 million payrolls, but even $150 million is going to go a long way yeah. for a team that is already uh, in, in quite a healthy position. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, again, ownership's just so such a thankless position because no matter what, <laughs> like people just think you have like the worst intentions. And like you, you, when, when you're a new owner, it, it's exciting. We, you know, the future is the, the possibilities are endless. You're going to come in here and you're going to do all these great things. And then you're around for five years and we hate you and we want to come with well, forks and torches, hey. you know. Steve Cohen is a pretty hilarious example, right? I mean, yeah. he comes in and does spend all the money and yeah. they suck. And yeah. it's like his approval rating is still pretty high because there's so much confidence in the willingness to spend and all to that spend. stuff. But, yes. but yeah, um, that said, don't feel bad for owners ever. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> let's, 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 let's not get too uh, out, out of whack. <laughs> but I, 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 I agree with your point though. It's like, especially yeah. like the expectations when you have a quote unquote bad owner that's on the way out and you're just like, Oh, it's a miracle. This next guy yeah. will be perfect. And it's like, yeah, hey, let's, well, let's see. No, that, that moves your team to Las Vegas. That's what happens. <laughs> but uh, speaking of ugly situations, we got one more thing before I let you go. And this was a leaked, uh, potentially leaked, picture of the philadelphia phillies oh, city connect yeah. jersey uh and i'm not sure yeah. if you have had a chance to see this yet but uh what are we doing what are we doing here if so, this is real what are we doing here with this this is uh pretty pretty <laughs> like okay i am fine with crazy color combinations but this is a brewer's jersey this is a brewer's jersey you could have done Correct. this in kelly green and Correct. and had it kind of be an eagles kind of thing there's a lot of options Ooh, you could yeah. do but I hate, or I mean, like anything, because Philly is such a big sports town that I think you could have instantly been a hit with any kind of like orange, you know, uh, flyers type colors or maybe any Eagles colors. But uh, yeah, what what is what are we doing here? Uh, one of my one of my favorite people, uh, one of my good friends, Matt, is a huge Phillies fan, and he texted me this picture and said. This would infuriate me if it's real, giving me twelve U travel ball vibes. So I think <laughs> yes. that kind of. That kind of sums it up on top of your point, which is that just like, how would you ever know this was Philadelphia? Right, uh, right. Like, so I think I that's mean, maybe if we're talking about it as City Connect, like, I don't know how this is connecting to the city, which brings me to the, I actually don't believe this is real. So that's where I'm Okay, at. all right. There <laughs> I we mean, go. I don't know what, the, I don't know what, the, if I'm wrong, like, I, I have no idea how this stuff gets out or who makes that makes up, like, if it's like, I have no idea. Right. Right. But it's like so far, like just bizarre. Like it, it looks like it's like Harry Potter font. Like it's I really weird. am yeah. really oh, weird. So that's, you nailed that's, it. It is Harry Potter font. I was like yeah, right? haunted house font was what yeah. I was thinking. But yeah, <laughs> Harry Potter font is much more on yeah. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I get, I, I know we go far out there with like the city connect yeah. stuff and like, which is I, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Which is fine. Like right. I'm, I'm fine getting goofy with the jerseys. Yeah. 
it's I'd rather that than like the complete nothingness that we get for the Dodgers and like the Giants who like barely change anything about their uniforms at the yeah. Cubs, right? Like yeah. I'd rather get weird with it. But right. this is so far away from anything that you'd expect that it's hard to take seriously. Okay, if it is real, I have to ask you what's uglier, yeah. that or what we might think might be Jock Peterson's new cyber truck. Do we have that from Instagram? He posted this a few days ago. Uh, and I'm this is sure. definitely real. I'm not sure I, this, if this is actually his or not. Oh. Like, but I mean, you don't post a picture of a cyber truck in a driveway and then not have it uh, actually. I would guess this is not that I know Jock Peterson that well. I would guess this is real. <laughs> I mean, should, I, like, I don't know if this should be concerning or not. Like, I don't want to judge a person. It's definitely going to be a car that stands out in the player parking lot because aside yeah, from Cattell yeah. Marte, all of our guys yes. seem very uh, conservative on their on their choices of vehicles. Yeah, think about it this way: um, when you have the money that you have as a as a major leaguer, um, <laughs> this doesn't need to be your only car. Right. Yeah, okay. So it, I can <laughs> imagine a, a big leaguer like Jock Peterson just being like, hey, I wonder what that's like. Let's get it. You yeah. know, <laughs> like, I'm not, it's not like it's like I'm like, this is my car now. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it, maybe he is going to be driving that all year. But that's incredible. Um, I do believe it is his. Yeah. Not that that's like sourced. I just do believe Jock Peterson would buy one of these. Okay. Yeah. And, that, um, but I'll let you know if I go to D Bag Spring Tree, I'm sure you'll be there too. I will see. Uh, we'll have to scout out the parking lot and see yeah. if we see it there. For sure. For sure. It's, you're not going to be able to hide that. We're going to see it <laughs> wherever it's at. So, uh, Jordan, I appreciate you stopping by, man. I look forward to having you on again when Jesse isn't here. Uh, and I know yeah. it's just going to infuriate him more. No, we actually, uh, we, we got to get Please. you on when, when Jesse's here yes. sure, because we, uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you for coming on and, uh, thank you for doing what you have done for as long as you've done it for. Absolutely. And let's, let's, let's be in touch. Uh, when I'm out in Arizona, maybe we can, yeah. we can go grab some burritos, make something let's happen. Cause yeah. I have more, I have more D backs, like thoughts and questions, but I'll save them for Jesse. Or let's go. Yeah. Well, he's probably <laughs> the person to ask about that. I could talk to you about casting the Diamondbacks movie and other perfect, uh, perfect. joking snake related stuff. But no, Jesse Great. will be the brains around here. But uh, again, Great. man, thank you so much for stopping by. My pleasure. Thanks so much. All right. We'll see you next time. Uh, yeah. Again, I really just did that as everybody knows to drive Jesse nuts. I mean, I don't mean to make it sound like I use Jordan in this case because he's a tremendous individual, a great baseball mind and one of the best people I could have co-host with me. However, uh, yeah, most of the things I do are motivated by upsetting Jesse Friedman. And that one was definitely uh, one of those decisions. But uh, again, if you uh, want to check out uh, other things that might infuriate Jesse uh, or at least uh, make him question his decision, their decisions, make sure not miss any of his content. Check out Jesse's articles. Become a diehard today. You'll get access to everything Jesse has to write. You will get access to our Discord lounge, which is the best place to be in Arizona sports fan. So much more, including uh, a free T-shirt from phnxlocker.com. As you know, you get access to uh, all of our wonderful event discounts and discounts with our partners uh, and so much more fun stuff. So remember, next week we're going to have our first edition of Squeeze Play, which is our diehard-only game show on the Discord. I will be hosting that. Cogs is one of our first contestants. Uh, we need two more. Are you wearing a bow tie? I'm not going to wear a bow tie. I'm going to wear a tie. I'm going to wear a tie bow ties and uh, are more fun. a t-shirt and a tie. But bow ties are more fun. You're right. If we get Ken Rosenthal on this show, I will wear a bow tie. A hundred percent. I will absolutely wear a bow tie. Will you dye your hair lime green? That's the Ken Rosenthal has normal colored hair. I don't know why. Why do I have to dye my hair lime green? Gabby Kevin Rosenthal. Just because Gabby jumps off a bridge doesn't mean I'm going to dye my hair. I mean, Lourdes has purple hair, so you got purple hair. Look, I made a bet, a foolish one, one that I regret very much, though, and my scalp does to this day. But that doesn't mean I'm just going to go around crazily dyeing my hair and offering bets to get uh, sexy red tattooed on me. Like, what is up with people and tattoos in this office, or like affecting like permanent change? It's mostly because I'm a 42-year-old man and I don't have much time left. So offering to mark up my body is really just honestly uh, like that's the thing. That's the thing that doesn't impact me that much, but people think is crazy. But meanwhile, Matt is out here not getting his tattoo. You at least have five years. If if I drink enough water, sure, yeah, sure, sure, uh, and maybe maybe uh, if I eat more OGs, maybe because <laughs> people are like eat less OGs. I say. 
eat more OGs is what I say. Uh, OGs has launched two brand new products to make my life better and make your life better. If you are a vegan, there's the OGs uh, vegan with live rosin in it. It's called OGs Naturals. You also have the big OGs, which of course is the thing everybody's talking about. Everybody's making weird accusations that I'm eating one whole that's a hundred milligram piece in one sitting. You it's, definitely did. It Look, it's perforated. Uh, and it could be eaten in, in like over time or much like a pizza is perforated. You can fold a pizza in half and just eat it as a large calzone. Right. Uh, it's 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 up to the buyer on how they choose uh, to use it. But regardless of how you eat your big OGs, make sure to check them out. They are a mega version of Peg's Raspberry Orange RSO, one of the company's most popular products, which I'm a huge fan with. Sometimes people have had problems with edibles not working for them, especially if you've had like, uh, if you have an appendectomy or you've had your gallbladder removed, I found out that these things impact your ability sometimes to process uh, distill distillates. I don't know. I'm not saying that's right. That's interesting. Yeah. So Rick Simpson oil actually is like an alternative. It's made in a different way. Uh, and sometimes if, if you haven't had success with edibles, Rick Simpson oil might be the way for you to go. But to learn more about OG's gummies and where you can find them, head on over to ogsbrands.com. Uh, and of course, tell them Derek sent you because they'll be like, Hey, the guy that eats the, the big ones by himself. We like that guy. Uh, also bet MGM. Uh, I don't know who's doing bets around here with Damon not around, but make sure that if you can get some betting sources, you know, I just, just I think Espo's about to do it after this send, show. Send send Damon a tweet asking him for his best bet projections, and then you can go over to Bet MGM Sportsbook right now. Uh, sign up using our code of PHNX, and you will get $158 in bonus bets instantly. Simply for making your first bet of $5 or more. It has to be at a standard odds price, but once you do that, that $158 will be deposited uh, as a bonus bet into your account, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Right now, there are some incredible uh, opportunities over there at BetMGM. Uh, they have an NBA 33% boost right now that boosts boost your extra winnings 33%. Uh, NHL, they got a 25% boost, so get down on those boosts if you're making a bet can add on and of course if you win it'll just make the winnings that much sweeter sign up for betmgm right now and use bonus code phnx place your first betmgm sportsbook wager through the mobile application for at least five dollars you will receive 158 dollars instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome check out the show notes for full details and now listen to uh damon is it damon talk about the disclaimer Gambling problem? Call one hundred Gambler. Available in the U.S. Call eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine New York. Call one hundred three two seven five zero five zero Massachusetts. Twenty one plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call one eight hundred Next Step Arizona. One eight hundred Bets Off Iowa. One eight hundred two seven zero seven one one seven for confidential help. Michigan. One eight hundred nine eight one zero zero two three Puerto Rico. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms. This promotional offer is not available in New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Uh, Elise is attacking my pronunciation of perforated because uh, I said Your perforated. Pronunciation. My pro. Okay, uh, English is my second language, so you guys are all committing a hate crime right now. I'm just telling you that. I'm just telling you that. This is a hate crime. Uh, perforated. And it is... Uh, For all the time that you spent in Puerto Rico? Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was my primary language, which I don't speak Spanish anymore very well at all. But, uh, of course, tomorrow Jesse will be back uh, to also antagonize me about how I pronounce words. Uh, and I will also uh, have a chance to... Uh, I don't know. Do this one more time. Welcome, Can we... him, with a, welcome him with a warm embrace. Give me well, two no, seconds. Gonna, Give me I'm two not... seconds to cue this up. I tried to keep this a secret. I'm not, I'm not, uh, look, I'm not trying to say that I, you know, need to hug Jesse when he comes back. That's definitely the opposite of what I want to do, but uh, he will be back tomorrow. We have lots of fun stuff planned, like I said, including the uh, upcoming game show that we're going to have, Squeeze Play. Uh, Jesse's very curious as how that works, and I'm not telling him either. But make sure, if you are a diehard, you stop by for that. Uh, we have all sorts of other stuff planned. A big part about being a diehard is telling us what you guys want to do. So make sure you drop in the Discord, uh, maybe some games that you would want to see us schedule some takeovers for this season because we usually do the scheduling kind of like, you know, you know, a blind rat, you know, we just kind of whatever this one, that like one, this one. Leon? Yeah. Like rat Leon. Yeah, of course. But, uh, your, your input is always valued. Of course. Also, Jacob and I were talking about, you know, what days you guys want us to do this show once the regular season starts. So never forget that the and no, discord you cannot vote for all post games. Oh, yeah, that's no Jesse. Jesse, he's telling that to Jesse. He's not telling that to you guys. I know you guys are understandable that we can't do every 
post game show throughout 162 it's games. 162. Season. But Jesse doesn't understand that. He doesn't understand. Oh yeah, trust me, I'm still recovering from the playoffs. Um, I believe at one point I drank an entire bottle of champagne and took my shirt off. But uh, of course. That exists, and since that exists, and since I'm not going to have a chance to play this without him stopping me, uh, let's get Jesse doing the Greg Schulte thing one more time in here. Can we, Jacob? Should Mark Grace and Darren Sutton welcome a young Greg Schulte into the broadcast booth? Greg Schulte and Tom Cadiani welcoming you into our Arizona Diamondbacks broadcast booth here at Chase Field. Paul Goldschmidt's going to be the first batter up against Chan Qualls, the former Diamondback, and he comes in to replace Corey Lukey for San Diego. First pitch from Qualls on the way to Goldie, and that's a strike on the inside corner on the count. Goldie on the season with seven overs and 19 runs batted in. The stretch and the pitch by Qualls, and there's a drive! Way back to right field. That ball is way out of here. You can't touch him all, Paul Goldschmidt, as he hits a long home run to deep right field to give the Diamondbacks a 4-3 lead over the San Diego Padres. Yep, I think so. He's never going to go on vacation ever again. He's never going to be. He's not going to be in this room with me. Uh, of course, I, like, I had to get that in one more time. Uh, Ernesto asked, was this film last week? No, that was filmed in 2021, obviously. So uh, shout out to my co-host. Can't wait for him to be back. But in the meantime, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at cap underscore caveman with a K. If you want to follow him, he's at Jesse N. Friedman. Of course, on the ones and twos today is Jacob Franklin, a.k.a. Faj. You can follow him at Jacob Jacob underscore Franklin four because he's the fourth best Jacob Franklin in existence. Our show is at PHNX underscore D-backs, but of course all roads lead to at PHNX underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please don't tell Jesse that I started this show too late two days in a row. He'll be very upset with me. Uh, but in the meantime, we thank you guys so much for stopping by. We appreciate you. And remember kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when Jesse is on vacation. <laughs>